Hey Jeff. Hey Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. For the better part of a year, we've had a whiteboard here in the apartment, and on that whiteboard, we would list potential guests that we wanted on our podcast. Waste time with it's the real. Yeah, but like we like barely used. Like it, it was like we would put names on it. Yeah, but it was like a quote unquote using it. Like we. It, yeah, we didn't hang it up. It wasn't like you know. No, we hid it behind the couch, <laughs> and that's not that's not even a joke. Like, yeah, it, it really was. We had it behind the couch. So um, well, we didn't want you know someone to come over here and see who we potentially would get on the podcast yeah <laughs> so uh so dumb in that time we never used it for any other purpose you know it wasn't like goals it wasn't like a schedule it, it just wasn't anything and then the other night you were facetiming with our friend abigail weintraub out there in los angeles who has been shouted on the podcast more than anybody else plus one plus one and she uh i asked her what was for dinner and she she showed me on the facetime their whiteboard she and her boyfriend josh and they had dinner listed for the next week like a smart person. Yeah, well, because we're so dumb and so used to just getting your meals when the when the, the, the inspiration hits. Right. You know, like, we've never had a lot of stuff in our refrigerator. We've never had a lot not, of stuff in our cabinets. Not, not, not usually. No, because, like, we just go to the store and you'd get that meal. But we have been cooking meals three times a day for however long we've been inside. Yeah. And now we actually have a schedule... And that, Jeff, is how real people live. What a wild time. <laughs> it it it's, is. It's such a weird time that, like, everything is flipped upside down. Like, now we're organized. There is structure in my life where there never used to be any. Yeah. I was talking to Dan, our brother, last night. You know him as our brother. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to him, and I said, you know, there's structure in my day that there never used to be. He goes, yes, you talk to any mental health professional, and they'll say structure is a good thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that explains... <laughs> So much about the past 15 years. Yeah, well... Where I've, I've never... <laughs> Jeff, let's not talk about the last 15 years. Let's talk about the last 22 episodes. And now this is episode 23. 23. My lucky number. Three people on the I podcast... I don't know if it's my lucky number. I mean, like, what is a lucky number, right? It's my favorite number. Three. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Three like, people... nothing has happened to me because of the number 23. Three, three people on the podcast every day. We have three great ones on this episode. Your mm -hmm. lucky number, mm -hmm. number 23. Jeff, who's on the podcast Michael today? Jordan. <laughs> Michael Jordan is number 23. Mike Will. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's on the podcast today? Black Thought is on the podcast today. Black Thought from The Roots. Uh, he, you know, was, was doing a bunch of stuff. I feel like I should have done a better introduction. Okay, go ahead. Black Thought is on the podcast today. Black Thought from The Roots. You guys know him as the amazing lyricist, but also he has a bunch of other stuff that he's doing, including a Broadway play, including yep. stand-up comedy, including a lot of dope stuff, uh, verses for different people that he's recording right now, and the first NPR Tiny Desk from home. Which is so dope. Which is so, so, so awesome. Because now course, we get to see his house. I, <laughs> like so, that, That's why I'm looking forward. I mean, like, yes, I'm looking forward to the performance. <laughs> But I really want to see, like, you know, like a hat or something that's, like, <laughs> his paperweight. So, of course, Black Thought is behind that. Shout out to Black Thought. It is a fucking great, great, great. Yeah. I don't want to... Part like, of this episode. I don't want to shit on everybody else who's been on the podcast so far, but, like... For Quarantine Radio, this is my favorite conversation. Yeah. Then we have our friend Judd Nicky, who's out in Los Angeles, California. Mm -hmm. We talked to her about a whole lot of stuff, building forts inside yep. your home, yep. uh, grocery shopping, um, whether we're going to have offices moving forward. But also, like, talking about what a friend is yeah. and, and talking about how you need to move forward with relationships in your life. I just think it's a it's a really good conversation. Agreed. It's and not then, black thought level. The, hey, Jeff, what is? But few are. And then we finish off with Graham Brown, mm -hmm. who is an amazing human being who uh, 
started this this preparatory academy called Forte Prep in Queens. It is an exceptional place. We have spoken there to uh, fifth graders at career day a whole bunch of years. There is no one more impressive than that group of children year after year. Um, and then there's no more impressive uh, executive director and founder than our friend Graham Brown. And uh, we talk about the realities of what's going on in Queens right now, the realities of what's going on with a school like his, and the realities of moving forward. So Jeff, let's get on the phone with Tariq Trotter, a.k.a. Black Thought. What up? Yo, what's good? What's happening? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. How about you? Same here. Um, listen, as the most dapper man on late night television for the last decade, uh, how does it feel to not put on a jacket every night? Oh, uh, who says I don't put a jacket on? <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything that you do miss about being um, in, in Rockefeller Plaza? Like, that's that's a place that's become home for you, and you see a lot of the same people, I'm sure. You have routine in your life. What what do you miss about that? Um, you know, I miss the variety that it, it sort of brings into my day. Um, you know, it's such a broad range of energy there in that building at all times. And I don't have to go really anywhere. I don't have to travel around the building or make my rounds or anything. Like, once I arrive, I could sit in one spot on one floor, which is what I do, mm-hmm. just on the, on the sixth floor. And, you know, just from where I'm sitting, I can see, you know, uh, all, the, all the candidates who are running for president. Um, you know, they'll come through at, at different points in time with Secret Service and <laughs> that whole shit. Um, I can see clowns. Yeah, Yeah. a guy dressed up as a panda, you know, like everything. Exactly, exactly, a a panda, or um, you know, like crazy. One, I was sitting at the uh, at the page desk out on the sixth floor outside my dressing room um, once a couple years ago, and there was a baboon, like a huge baboon, (laughs) just running, running down the hall. Was it like on a leash? No, he was loose. <laughs> and I, I looked. I was um. I knew there were puppies on the show that day, and I was looking. I was like, "Wow, did one of the puppies get?" And I was looking. I was like, "No, that's a strange look. No, that's not a puppy. That's a." And it was a baboon, and he was, you know, like trying to escape. And he ran to the elevator. He tried the elevator doors, and the doors wouldn't open. And then he uh, swung back around and went and opened the the ladies' room door. Like it was crazy. And you're just sitting but, there. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I was just sitting there, and um, you know, eventually, like they called him the the handlers who were there bringing the animals, uh, caught him and um and and contained him and stuff. But I mean, yeah, you know, just the variety, like it doesn't get that more broad with regards to you know the range of oh, what happened at work today? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I guess I guess I miss that, and you know, just like location wise, where it is in New York City, um, you know, driving through. Times Square, well, you know, parking in Times Square and walking through Times Square every yeah, day, yeah. you know, to Rockefeller Center. It's just it's something that's very New York about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was something that, you know, coming from Philly, I thought uh, I would never really be into. Yeah. You know, because I've never really rocked out with that part of the city as a, as a visitor. Well, when you I'm when you were growing up in Philly, did you ever think that, like, one day you would want to settle down in New York? No, 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 never, never. But, I mean, we did. Like, there was a point in time where we had an apartment, like, a block away from Rayo's up in Harlem. Oh, really? Wow. I did. Yeah, I did. Um, 
you know, we had a spot uh, in, in, in New York for a minute. Um, and then we, we sort of gave it up. Um, but yeah, you know, I never, I never thought that, uh, you know, it was, it would be something that I do on, on, on the regular. And now here I've done it, you know, probably 3000 times. Crazy. I've, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I've driven to Times Square, parked and walked through that, that area and into Rockefeller Center. And so I, I, I guess I miss that. I miss my daily routine. I miss the randomness of, of my routine, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, is there anything that, are you able to, when you're at home, like, just like relax? Are you able to turn your brain off? Because like, I feel like your brain in particular, like you're always just like thinking of new things and, and new ways to play with them. Like, I, I think that you're a very active mind. Yeah, I do. I have a very active mind. Um, what do they say? The the idle mind is the devil's playground. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm, I have an active mind, and it's still the devil's playground. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm always, you know, just thinking of, you know, I'm always going, you know, just a, a million miles a minute, but on the inside. Yeah. And I try not to really show it. I try and not drop my chill you know in that but um i'm always trying to create and always just trying to stay a few steps ahead yeah you're of, like beyonce um, where she's like running around and doing everything but also in heels <laughs> but that's like everything that's like <laughs> yeah straight up and yeah and and also in heels um <laughs> Tariq, how are you how are you sleeping these days um my sleep schedule is crazy man like last night i went to bed at around 10:30 and then I woke up at 2.30 this morning and I was up oh. from like, you know, 2.30. I was up, but in, in bed from 2.30 until about 5.30. Oh, that's the worst. I went, I went downstairs and I, I, I wrote some bars from 5.30 till about uh, 7.30. And then I came back upstairs and went to sleep again <laughs> until, until, until just 10. now. So oh. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I woke up at like 10 a.m., yeah. Damn. Well, wait. Whose sleep whose sleep schedule is more fucked up, yours or Amir's? Um, Amir doesn't sleep. He's never, <laughs> he's never slept. He always just works and creates until you know he like just breaks down. The wheels literally fall off, and then he'll catch himself and then just pick up wherever he left off. And I've always admired that uh you know quality in him and that he doesn't need sleep he's you know he's he he's on jet fuel all the time yeah um, why he has such uh you know, that that kind of output you know what i mean yeah um out of all of the members of the roots are you concerned in particular about anybody's hairline after all this is said and done Ooh, good question uh, i mean when this is all said and done kirk's hairline <laughs> is is a wrap <laughs> <laughs> his hairline is a wrap. I always say, I always talk about how his, you know, his hair is hanging on by you know, <laughs> threads anyway. So oh. his shit, his shit from the back, it looks like he's wearing a tiara. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I feel like it's safe to assume that he's gonna he's gonna go the route of of like a, a James Poyser. Oh my god! Or something, you know, <laughs> any, any 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 day now. Um, are you are you uh, do you instill any routine in your life right now? Like when you're awake, like yeah, so like what's the structure? Um, there isn't very much structure. Um, aside from that, you know, I have uh, now I'm up and running uh, to record at home, mm. so I. Like you know, um, so that means studio. you're your own engineer. Well, I mean, I'm I'm learning how to be my own engineer. Wow. Just you know, for 
you know, in, infections sake. Yeah. And to, 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 but, um, I, uh, you know, I've always had an office space above my garage that is kind of like, you know, I guess my man cave mm-hmm. space that I, I never really rocked out in it that that much. But, um, yeah, since this whole quarantine shit has been happening, I actually put some equipment in there and um, I've been, yeah, recording. So um, I try to at some point every day just go into my office now just to A, to get away from everything else is going on in, in the crib and it's I, i'm just blessed you know to have the option of of an alternative space and then um you know i try and get in there and and, and create something you know write something or read something or you know do some sort of art thing if if if, if for nothing more than an hour or so every day mm. yeah well what are you reading um you know recently i've been reading like i you know People suggest stuff and recommend uh, things, reading materials to me all the time. Um, and often, I, like, I'll, I always make a note of what to grab, make a note. I'll, it'll be read this. Or I have a, a personal assistant, um, my, my, my homie, um, Sasha. And I'll tell Sasha, yo, uh, you know, go make sure, remind me to get this book or to get this essay or whatever. And then once I get it, I never really find the time <laughs> to actually read it until like i have a flight to take or you yeah know, we have yeah a- so i've been sort of catching up this past week past two weeks i've been reading two things one is this book called ragtime that was written by this guy uh el doctoro which i feel like he, he has to have made that name up <laughs> like, his name is el doctoro he's the guy that records with killer mike <laughs> yeah I, yes i like a lucha, a, lucha, a lucha libra yeah yeah you know what i mean doctoral. <laughs> uh, but um yeah what, what's interesting about this book ragtime and really just the, this uh author uh in general is that he writes in a cadence that's comparable to um like a rhyme mm, that's and, dope. and it was referred to me by uh you know a brilliant writer um Ta-Nehisi Coates yeah you know, yeah you know he's a brilliant writer he uh his book uh Between the World and Me uh, you know changed the the literature landscape mm-hmm. uh, recent years and then most recently he put out that book uh, uh The Water Dancer um it came out September October but that being said um um uh, Coates is one of my hugest fans yeah and and he writes He's inspired by the way I write to write what it is that he writes. That's and so I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm one of his favorite, you know, writers because it inspires him to write, you know, just in a particular cadence. And um, so he referred some books to me by other authors who inspire him in that same way. And this Ragtime by El by El Doctoro <laughs> is 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 the joint that I've from him um, in 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 recent weeks, the past couple of weeks. And then there's another book that I've been reading. That's a collection of poems it is um it's called uh felon and um what's, what is the director's name on felon um it is i think dude's name is reginald betts mm. it's, it's actual it's reginald Dwayne betts and the book is called felon it was referred to me by um a brilliant uh painter and collage artist whose name is titus kafir uh, and titus recommended this book to me um because his friend wrote it and it's a it's a short read. It's like a, a, a short collection of poems, but um, 
it's witty and and just timely and um yeah and it's and it's it's inspirational so those are the two things that i've sort of been you know like going back and forth between um recently that's Mo- that's most dope. yeah yeah um, I feel Eric and I were just talking about this. I feel like you were one of the first people in DJ D Nice's uh, club quarantine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. W- what was it like when there were less than two hundred people in the room? Um, when there were less than two hundred people in the room, it's it's weird how real that you know quote unquote, like that room uh, felt. You know when there were when there was just a handful of people in there, it felt like you were at a party, uh, you know, early. Yeah. Like I, I felt like I was, I was at a spot before the DJ actually, <laughs> you know, set up Yeah, and, you know, we would just chop it up and, you know, he was playing music, but there was a story, you know, that accompanied almost like every, he played like maybe three songs and then tell a story and then, you know, play another thing. And he was taking requests in a way that a DJ might, you know, when the room is empty. That's so dope. Um, and, you know, it's sort of built from there. I definitely, I knew, I felt like if there were 150 people in there, I knew 125 yeah. of those 150 people. And then as it sort of grew, um, I started running it, running into folks there that I, you know, hadn't expected to see. It's like, fuck you doing here? Like, dang, you <laughs> Yeah, we got um we, we were in there when there were a couple thousand people and uh a friend of ours who used to work at Def Jam like maybe like a decade ago, he was like, Yo, this feels like eight twenty five Worldwide Plaza with all the behind the scenes people. So we would jump in there and like all of Rockefeller's like behind the scenes people would be there and like, you know, all of like you know murder inc and and uh Dipl- yes. Dip- and diplomats people and like you know jada kiss is saying what's up to cam and cam saying what's up to all these and it was just it was a nice vibe and it felt like especially in those early days of the quarantine it felt like a real connection that we had been missing uh in real life it definitely was but you know the, in that it was um you know once you know like supermodels and you know heads of state yeah. <laughs> were all in there partying together there were certain people that you sort of you knew better than to say what's up to even though <laughs> it's like you see them it's like don't just say what's up now to naomi campbell right if you, if you couldn't just walk up to her in the real world uh, yeah be like hey what's up naomi like, you know? Yo, like you, who is the person who is the person i'm that... like yeah you're calling her shelly and shit like, <laughs> Was there one person that sort of like tipped the scales for you where you were just like, oh, now this is like bigger than I could have even imagined? Um, definitely Oprah Winfrey, man. That yeah. was, you know, that was that was pretty huge to see Oprah. I mean, it was huge. But then also there was this a point, you know, and I don't know when this was, but you know, at a certain point it was like, okay, now I have to go and find another party. Like I'm going to a different room. Yeah. It's too many, too many motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's been cool too to see, like you know, at the top of the Instagram screen, you see like Green Lantern is spinning somewhere, or like Static Select is spinning somewhere, and it's like all yeah. all different vibes just blaze in everybody, and uh, and it creates this this cool thing that feels like Webster Hall or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a virtual, you know, a structure like a complex with something different happening in every room yeah so um as as philly as you are and like we said like you've been very you know much a part of new york's um fabric for the last 10 years 
Um, I think I think more even than your late night experience, seeing the news that you were going to be involved in your own um, Broadway project was pretty damn New York. Can you tell us about where that was before this hit and then what the future holds for you guys? You know, right when this when this thing hit, um, we were in the middle of a workshop that was probably our fourth workshop over the past three years or so. Um, you know, we've been working on this project for, you know, well over five years now. And um, we were approaching, you know, completion. Um, we were at a point um, with with the, the story and uh, composing, arranging, and just with the arc of each character, where we all, all of the kinks have been worked out. Because, you know, we, um, we did, uh, you know, a couple years ago, we did a one-week workshop, and then six months after that, we did a workshop for two weeks, and then six months after that, we did a workshop for three weeks. And um, at this point, maybe you know, fifteen hundred people have seen the show already. Really? Each, each time we show it to someone, or each time we read it to a group of people, um, you know, there are notes that we take, and uh, we we go back and, and we sort of make it better. So this was um, like the last workshop that we were trying to get in. We called it actually on a whim. It was like a last minute workshop that we called uh, on an impromptu sort of tip before uh, we go into actual rehearsals. We're scheduled to go into rehearsals, I think, um, on August 31st. Mm. And the show, the show opens off Broadway right now on November 5th. So at, at this point, we're still on schedule uh, to open. But that obviously might be pushed back to the top of next year at this point. But right now, um, we're still on schedule. But we were in the middle of a workshop. I guess uh, um, we we had a reading that was going to happen on Saturday the fourteenth. Oh my God! And um, and uh, Broadway shut down that Thursday afternoon. So just a couple of days before um, what was going to be our, our final workshop reading. Um, yeah, they, they, they shut Tariq, down. what was the last thing that you like hoarded or like bought or like you know you you needed for this time of of just like lockdown? Um, I mean, I I bought you know lots of recording equipment. I had to get a new computer and some speakers and an interface and you know that whole sort of thing. Um, a hard drive and like all that stuff. Um, I've been you know buying as, 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 as uh, many supplies as I could find. I scour, I scour the internet and scour the black market for, um, you know, for toilet paper yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, disinfectant wipes and that whole sort of thing. But I've also been taking advantage of, you know, some of the sales that present themselves. Um, patio furniture. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got, uh, I got my, my son, um, a jungle gym, and, nice. uh, like a, a, a in-ground trampoline. Um, I got, um, you know, some, some furnishings and stuff, uh, some stuff to hang on the wall in my office. Since I'm going to be spending more time in there. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I've been buying kicks. Like nothing's gonna stop me from buying clothes, <laughs> clothes and sneakers, no matter what. Even though you nobody know, can but, see them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm if I'm going to hell. The devil is gonna be like, damn, those kicks are dope, though. <laughs> um, Wait, do you have you more know, hats that's, that's, or more shoes? Um, I think I own. I don't know. I keep more hats than I than shoes. Um, with shoes, it's a revolving door for me, and um, I'm always just trying to. You know, I want my shoes to stay brand new, 
and I'm, I'm a creature of habit in that once I find a pair of sneakers or shoes that I'm really rocking with, I'll buy those every couple of weeks. Yeah. 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 So yeah, you know, I, I wind up with, you know, four and five pairs of some of the same stuff. So uh, I often have to downsize and I, I donate shoes and I give shoes away. Um, a couple of my kids wear the same size as me. So that's dope. They look up and I, I give them, you know, some of my extra shoes, but hats are a little um, harder to find. And when I find, you know, something that works for me, um, especially if it's like a custom piece, um, I usually want to keep it forever. So yeah. um, the hats I, I hang on to a little longer. Yeah. Where's actually the best hat district in, uh, in America? Um, good question. You know, I'm going to have to go with New York City, man. Mm. Um, you know, lots of the places that I used to go to have shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, one of the tried and true spots in New York City that's always been there is J.J. Hat Center. And, you know, um, you can go there and you can buy something, um, you know, sort of off the rack. Or you can, you know, have a consultation and get something custom made mm. from J.J. And then my good friend, um, you know, I, I knew someone who used to manage J.J. Hat Center for very many years. And he's branched off and opened his own shop up in Harlem called the Flame Keepers Hat Club. And, um, you know, Flame Keepers Hat Club is like, you know, just the, the dopest stuff from J.J. Hat Center. J.J. Hat Center is sort of all, all encompassing. You can go there and get, you know, one of those hats with a propeller on the top. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get, you know, the fedora that Run DMC used to wear. Or, you know what I mean? And everything sort of in between. But um, Flame Keepers is more, you know, it's it's like the Dapper Dan of, 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 of hat hat stores. That's what's up. Um, yeah. Have you uh, been cooking lately? How has your uh, food intake been? Man, my food intake, I mean, for the first, let me say, two and a half to three weeks of quarantine, I was a soldier. Like, I I was already on um, a strict sort of dietary regimen. Yeah. And I kept that in play for as long as I, you know, pretty much could. But then around a week to a week and a half ago. Now it's just all um, grilled cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just fell off. I fell all the way off. Man. And, you know, I feel like, you know, just stress and, and anxiety, you know, paired with the temptation of the rest of my household, like just only eating comfort food. Yeah. Um, it, it, it made me fall off. So now I'm eating ostrich and camels and <laughs> <laughs> everything that you would see around Fallon's, uh, you know, yeah, late night studio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> clowns. <laughs> but no, it's a mess, man. You know. Um. So yeah. Um. I'm. I'm sort of. I'm. I'm eating whatever now. Um. You are from Philly. Uh. You have a good Philly beard. Uh. Freeway also has a great Philly beard. I want to know who's somebody who is an uncelebrated. Philly beard, like somebody who has a very uncelebrated Philly beard. A, a Philadelphian? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. The underdog of Philly beard game. Let me see. Hmm. Because, like, Rick Ross has a great beard, but, but he's it's not, 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 it's not, not a Philly beard. Yeah, no. Rick Ross is not from Philly, but he has a Philly beard. Mm. Yeah. Don't, like, you know, let's not confuse. Like, Rick Ross, <laughs> and I say this all the time, man. Um, Rick Ross was, he has to have been influenced by EST. Mm. 
EST from Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. You know, from the legendary rap group Three Times Dope. Yep. There was a time during which EST moved to Miami with Scott Storch when Scott was taking over Miami. Wow. And, you know, they, you know, they created a, a, on, on, in certain regards, a scene where there was none, you know, with regards to a songwriter and a producer working in the way that they work together. Yeah. Um, so everybody passed through, you know, the studio and the crib and the boat where, you know, EST and Scott Storch were working. During Yo. Those years. <laughs> and there was a point at which I saw Rick Ross and I thought he was EST. I know EST very well. You know, <laughs> you know, I've known him my whole life and I saw Rick Ross at one point and I was like, oh shit, it's EST. And it wasn't. It was Rick Ross. There's no one in Miami that, you know, rocked those, uh, you know, that particular style of sunglasses or their beard in that way or just moved in the way that Rick Ross moved before EST came to Miami. So whether it was like a direct, uh, like if he bit EST's style or if it was like, you know, more in his, more like a subconscious influence. Yeah. Um, he was definitely influenced by EST. That being said, yeah, like Ross's swag, I mean, I feel like it's evolved over the years. For sure. But um, he came through the door, like, you know I mean? The Rick Ross that we know and love, that, yeah. that we all became familiar with um since you know that song uh hustling yeah hustling you um that's 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 the rick ross with the the a philly twist um <laughs> Tariq, uh you know it, it's funny you talk about like decamping down to to miami people go like all over like you know rolling stones went to like you know france to record people like to like set up shop in different places i know you guys you know would record early in your career you guys went out to london um you've recorded certainly in philly uh in new york have you guys ever gone to a very like sunny tropical place to record and what kind of like uh, mood would that yeah how did, how did that affect you guys yeah um no we've never gone like to uh on a retreat in that way um we went to london which is the, f the farthest thing from sunny <laughs> yeah. or tropical and we went there when we, when we were broke so it was just you know it's just completely different yeah i think you know certain people go to london to record um like the kanye's and you know certain people go to london to record and they like rent out a museum or a palace yeah or some shit and that's where they live but we lived in a flat like a one bedroom or maybe with two bedrooms but two small bedrooms um, in a little flat out there so we were very much we weren't living in the projects but the projects were on our block man and um we lived above a post office and um it was you know just real deal london and it felt you know super uk and um uh, yeah i feel like it was i don't know our music uh felt very working class yeah you for know, sure for um you know the only other retreat that i've gone on is i used to go to work in la a lot like whenever it was time to to write a new roots album first uh dice raw and i we would go to miami yeah to hang out with scott stort for a while and and get those you and know, rick ross our, or our, est our, or whoever yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, exactly. so i would we would go to miami for a minute we would go um spend a little time in detroit with jay dilla yep and then um i would go out to la and um yeah i went you know i always enjoyed uh what the result of me having worked in LA sort of you know would would turn out to be so some of some of my dopest joints I feel like uh were written out there just in LA everything is, is spread out just enough yeah for you to sort of get a good listen 
to whatever it is that you are about to work on or whatever it is that you just did and you, you sort of can make mental notes it's just it's just enough time that you know sort of goes by in your commute for you to figure out uh what to do next sort of thing yeah and um you know it's just uh i'm always active in a different way uh in la than i am in in new york you know what i mean like the whole just getting up like it's like you you a sucker in la if you don't exercise like you feel like <laughs> you, you played yourself like yeah. you, know I mean? you wake up like dude it's 10 o'clock in the fucking morning like you missed the whole day you know what i'm saying like dude we went hiking and we did the, you know yeah running canyon the whole thing exactly yeah. exactly so um I, i'm just motivated in a different way yeah you know um it's, it's, it's hard to really explain but um it, it it made me move to la i moved to la at one point from around 2003 to uh 2007 or, or eight like mm-hmm. right right before we really really decided that we were going to do uh, late, late night. night yeah um yeah i was i was la based and i had no intention of moving back to the east Coast. really yeah that's crazy um i i wanted to ask you know uh scott storch was just on uh instagram live he was battling and so many people forget that he was part of the roots and yeah. so like is that is that wild to you the arc of his career the ups and the downs and all of that and then also i wanted to know like who you think could possibly match him um the, yeah it's definitely wild you know the scott's life has been a wild ride um but it's always been as such you know what i mean um scott is a, is a rock star and he very much you know, he was a rock star producer as as a kid like you know when we first met him hanging out in a studio called the nebula zone hmm. um and he uh you know he was he was sort of destined for greatness and destined for valleys and peaks you know what i mean i feel like it's just it's it's just in him in that way but um scott is authentically philadelphian and he's not from he's not like oh you know he's from philly but he's from the outskirts in the suburb you like he's a he's from fucking philly, philly yeah, yeah yeah and you know he's seen some shit and i feel like that's giving him a thick a super thick skin and um because of that i've, I've always you know I'm, i've always known him to be able to bounce back from whatever you know what i mean so um yeah i don't know uh scott yeah people forget that he was uh, a member of the roots before because of the time during which he was actually in the roots you know we weren't famous yeah <laughs> like we weren't known for shit and you know scott before we had a record deal scott had his own record deal he had a record deal with his homeboy cam and they were signed to rough house records really so he yeah he's he all he's always been about you know well if this thing doesn't work out i got my own shit <laughs> and um the cam thing didn't pan out in the way that you know he had planned but you know he got an advance or two off of it he was always a hustler in that way yeah um so they did some stuff and then you know the roots started bubbling and we got our deal so he did some stuff with the roots and we shared we've always we shared management for years mm. so like the, our, the the late rich nichols who managed yes yes uh who, who managed the roots he managed scott storch um shit i think he he knew scott before it we we knew him really so he knew scott longer scott actually used to live with rich in you know on the most murderous block in west philadelphia probably to date Man. um so yeah that being said he um you know uh uh we we shared management and when you know he was he, the opportunity presented itself for him to start placing beats 
um, our manager, Rich Nichols, as well as Derek Jackson, who, you know, was instrumental in, in us getting our record deal yep. uh, with Geffen. Um, he was uh, an executive at Def Jam at the time, and they were able to start, you know, selling Scott's Beats. So um, it was an opportunity that he sort of had to take. Um, you know, he would have been a fool not to. And then um, I feel like that's what that was his introduction to, you know, to the game in a lot of people's eyes. Um, Absolutely. He was he was pretty much a producer behind the scenes, but uh, even in that he you know he he was responsible for lots of uh, the roots classics and you know if he didn't just full on produce them, um, what he brought to the table and what he added sort of made you know the song um, on you know our first uh, you know our first three albums yeah basically. no question he, yeah he was responsible for producing you got me which was you know one of our most popular our first Grammy and. You know, yeah, uh, and and when he pulls that when he pulls that out in the in the actual battle, it really does like knock everyone over. It's just it's yeah, a, you know? it shuts shit down because yeah. it's like oh shit. Yeah, like, you know I think it's um it's dope that people sort of forget because it gives them you know just that that leg up, especially uh, if you're you know if you're going song for song uh, with against someone else's catalog. Yeah, but um who else? I don't I I, I don't think I don't think. Scott being uh, paired with Manny was a good match. It was. A, it, I don't think that was. I mean, it was entertaining. Sure. But I feel like it was. It was a mismatch in in that way because Scott is a different sort of producer. He's not just like a beat maker. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's, I think. I think a good a good battle. You know, for Man, for Manny Fresh, I would have loved to see like. Uh, uh, you know, uh, DJ Paul and, or Juicy J and those guys mm, yeah. against, against against Manny. You know what I mean? Or like DJ Toom for somebody, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? I feel like something like that would have been dope. But, um, you know, who who I think uh, would have been a more balanced battle for Scott? Hmm, I don't know, man. Hard to say. Know. It's Yeah, it is hard to it's say. It's like the T-Pain the, the one like was weird, too. Oh, the original matchup. Yeah, the original yeah, where matchup. it's gonna be Scott Storch and, and T Pain. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard yeah. to match someone with you know that kind of a uh, catalog. But listen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tariq, uh, we're sending all our love to you and yours. Please stay inside, stay safe, and and keep staying creative because like we are very much looking forward to whatever you are recording in your in your uh, your man cave above the garage. And oh, man, uh, you know, I did um man just in this past week, I re- me and Salam Remy did three new joints that are crazy oh shit so you know we'll probably you know give me another week i'll probably have another album done with salam we're here for that um i've done a couple features that you know i don't know if it's cool to make mention of but i've jumped on a couple records that are crazy. i'll say this i think it's cool for you to tell yeah that's fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, i got i got this one joint that i did uh smoke dizza oh it's our guy uh, yeah, he has an, a new album with Flying Lotus. Yeah, um, and I, I jumped on the record with them. You know, yeah, that's, that's one of the of the the few features. I've done like three features in the past week. Shit. Um, I shot a, an episode, the first at home edition episode of NPR's Tiny Desk. Awesome. I did, yeah, I saw I, that was I, coming up on the on the like there was a Roots um schedule that came out this week. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're trying to we're getting uh the Roots YouTube channel. Popping, you know what I mean? We've been doing some some serious programming 
there and you know we're getting our subscriptions up and that's where you're going to be able to sort of you know keep up with everything that we're doing not just you know quest love and myself either just you know all the guys are contributing content that's all super dope so you're saying we're going to be able to actually see in real time where kirk's hair is looking like <laughs> yeah, because he's got he's got his guitar stories, man. He's yeah. telling. Yeah, he needs a he needs a do hairline. <laughs> the, the, the Broadway play. <laughs> well, Tariq, stay safe out there. We'll be checking in, and uh, when all this is said and done, we look forward to having a real you know hour and a half long conversation about your entire journey and all your your music, your comedy, your Broadway, everything. We're looking forward to that, and uh, in the meantime, take care. All right. Uh, salute, man. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you. Take care. Yeah. All right, yeah. Jeff. Let's get on the phone with our friend out there in Los Angeles, Judd Nicky. Hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I expected quarantine radio to be... I was like, how are they going to work this video situation? Can y'all hear me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you? Okay. I'm charging my phone so y'all are on speaker instead of me being on, you know, whatever they call it, AirPods or whatever the fuck. Oh, listen. Um... Sorry, Rember. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, uh, what is the thing from the pre-COVID world that you left behind that you do not miss whatsoever? Going into work. Yeah. <laughs> Physically leaving my home. <laughs> Do you think that's ever going to return? No. <laughs> like, are humans ever going to go back to work physically? Or am I get ever going to <laughs> I know you're never going back to work. I, I feel like there's this thing where, um, like, people used to go into offices, right? And I don't know that people are ever going to have to go into offices anymore. I did see uh, Anthony Fauci yesterday was like, hey, if we never shake hands again, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. So maybe we do, you know, we just do change everything. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think you guys are correct. And I think I also don't think we're going back to offices because I think by the time we figure out how to go back to offices, the economy demands that we have figure out a solution way before that happens. Yeah. I'm curious as to whether we'll have an economy going forward. <laughs> I mean, that's the real question. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like if you, for me, I think if you, if you think about it by the time, like, like by the time they open schools again, distant, like teachers will have such a vigorous distance learning um curriculum that yeah. the schools are just going to be like, hey man, this is cheaper. Why don't y'all just keep working on that? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, Nikki, how have you been doing like food wise? Did you like, uh, go out to the grocery stores like ahead of time and just like grab everything you could to, you know, freeze and like put things in cans or whatever, or have you been like calling in for like takeout? How has your, uh, food schedule been? Uh, so I am doing really well with food today makes it an exact month that I've been on quarantine in my house and I keep a pretty rigorous pantry anyway because I cook a lot mm -hmm. and I stay in the house a lot yep. and also I'm a freelancer and like I don't know if other freelancers do this but whenever I have money I fill my house with food mm -hmm. so that should should shit go awry <laughs> I never have to worry too much about um food mm -hmm. what about weed <laughs> yeah i mean 
there's always a lot of weed in this house. It's just that if there's weed in this house, it's also being smoked. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've been very lucky this year to buy more weed at one time every time than I've ever been able to. Very awesome. Um, which is the way I, I used to be able to do it like that in New York, but that was because I also lived with another human and we like shared the expense. Right. So it's nice to be able to do that alone. I guess that's called economic growth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at you. This is maturity. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I am. Um, yeah, the day that I decided to quarantine, I did an Instacart order, which was the most harrowing Instacart order of my life. I, I we, we literally texted for an hour. <laughs> I could have just called someone and went to the supermarket. Um, and I did that. And then I, the next week, I became obsessed with all these like different especially in California, we have a lot of CSAs. A lot of restaurants have been selling their pro- their food product as mm. like boxes rather than as just as takeout. Hmm. So, you know, you know, us in California and our produce. Yeah. So <laughs> I spent, I went to the grocery store on Monday for the first time in the month that I had been in. It was the second time in the month that I had been in quarantine that I went to the grocery store. Was it crowded? Like, were there a lot of people? It was not crowded, but somehow motherfuckers were still on my neck. I hate that. I hate that so much. (laughs) Like at the movie theater when you're just like sitting in one row and you're the only person there and then (laughs) somebody just like, yeah, sits right next to you. Yes, and you're like, why are you standing there? Like, especially in the produce aisle, like these two different things that happened in the supermarket the other day. In the produce aisle, someone literally like was standing right next to me. And I was like, we just don't have to do that. Right. Just let me grab my bell pepper and then you can <laughs> grab the spinach. Why are you standing so close to me? Like, it's not like, it's people act as if like in the produce aisle, Corona doesn't exist. They're like, yeah, like every other part of the store, we have to be six feet apart. But in the produce aisle, it's like refrigerated. I saw a lady <laughs> with no gloves and no mask with her hands all in the Brussels sprouts, and I almost lost it. Yeah, that's why you gotta it. wash everything down when you get home. It's really nuts. Yeah. Like the crazy thing is, if you also grab for the Brussels sprouts, then you guys go together. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happened to be the first time I went, which is why I didn't go for two weeks because I reached <laughs> into the freezer to get some cauliflower, and this woman reached into the freezer with me, and I looked up at her, and I was like, even in regular times, that's fucking weird. Yeah. And she was like, huh? And I was like, <laughs> I wouldn't have allowed you to do this six months ago. Well, what and have especially you not now? <laughs> what have you really like stocked up on? If you're going to the grocery store, you're like, you know what? I really need a ton of this. Cheetos. <laughs> no, I don't like chips. I still don't have any snacks in my house. Wow. Um, I actually forgot to buy cereal yesterday, so I was very upset with myself. Um onions and garlic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> onions and garlic. Uh and pasta. No, oh, there we go. Yeah, I mean, that's, these are all like noodles, very yeah. responsible purchases. I, I would have thought that like, you know, it really would have been just like Cheetos, just like <laughs> thousands and no, thousands I of bought, bags. I bought a bag of um, uh, the first time I went out, I bought a bag of because the first time I went grocery shopping. Did you guys have this happen to you? I had like the first week where I went grocery. I did the Instacart and then I became more and more convinced that I was missing even more ingredients. Mm -hmm. So then I like ordered from a butcher. So then I like went to the 99 cent store and then I just kept being like, I need a little more things. I'm missing like, well, yeah, because like nobody that, like, knows how, especially in the beginning, nobody knew how long this was going to be, and nobody knew right. that, like what the supply chain was going to be like. And I think too, also, yeah, all of us ahead. were coping by making like really fancy meals, so everyone was like, "I don't have asparagus." I, have <laughs> I think there's there's also this thing that's been heavy on on my head, 
which is like the idea of going outside, right? It's like, yeah. it feels like we're not allowed to go outside. And then you talk to people and they're like, oh no, like you can take a walk. It's okay. It's not like illegal to go outside. But there's this idea that it's just like, you go outside, you're susceptible on any level. Well, I think that we're finally getting to the point where it's just irresponsible to go outside. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, I, especially you guys are in New York, I'm in LA. These are two apex weeks, um, as they are saying, like, based on, you know, the other countries that we've seen, these are the two weeks where we're supposed to be getting the most cases and like really seeing like how bad it's going to get. And I've been of the mind from the very beginning that while I understand why they're telling people they can go outside, um, that the caveat has given people like all the excuse they need. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, look, I'm a mentally unwell person. I go outside. I go for a walk maybe once or twice a week. Because the anxiety of being outside and seeing people who uh, don't have masks on yeah. or sneezing into the air or spitting onto the street. Also me, I spit a lot. I don't really need to be outside. Like, <laughs> And so like, it's just I think I've been of the mind of not going outside, especially because I always knew that when it got bad, that was what was, was going to happen to us. Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah. yeah so i'm like why i was like i'm not about to tease myself with like oh well, i'm gonna go for a walk every single day i'm like once a week i it's worth it to go outside get the change of pace for me i'm not i don't know what anybody else's pace is but i've taken it to really being like i'm really not going outside unless it really feels like i'm about to go crazy yeah well speaking of being crazy um i noticed that one ha one hobby that you picked up was building a fort out of um <laughs> sofa cushions in your <laughs> in your living room i'm gonna take the opposite side i'm gonna say that maybe nikki got it right no i think you did but my my question <laughs> is like what other hobbies out like, like that you haven't shown the world exist have you, yeah have you picked up um i am coloring awesome a lot coloring the coloring book um i ordered a 1000 i don't know why it's designated japanese uh designs book i don't think they're specifically any culture but <laughs> um i bought these like insanely it's like an, one of those insane like you know everything symmetrical kind of like but there's like 17 different layer like designs yeah and i bought like a twistable crayon pencil it's like colored pencils but because of the way that they're made it, they kind of give you a crayon effect also so i just have like a i literally keep a you know, like those bed trays that people have yeah. so you can eat like in bed. I like, <laughs> in, I like keep them in one of those so that it's like they can spread out. But you're like you know, in a nursing home, <laughs> but like oh, a nursing home for yourself. But I mean, I don't understand why anybody would not be trying to act like a grandma right now. Yeah. Like inertia, hibernation and old senior citizen living is your best like whatever your grandmother does all fucking day, that's what you need. To be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you want to talk about someone who's inside and doesn't do much throughout the day? Like, your grandparents are the... So that's what I did. And I built a fort because it just made sense. Like, yeah, I always Nikki, wanted to you don't have fort. to explain your art to me. Okay. Like, Thank you. Um, no, covering and my plants. And, okay, so everybody knows that, that streaming, you know, music has been down a lot, uh... Have you been listening to anything? What gives you comfort to put in your headphones? I have been doing nothing but listening to music. So I actually have not been able to... I have not watched one new show since in the month that I have been wow. home. 
uh, well, like I've watched like documentary. I mean, like documentary series. I've watched documentaries, but I haven't like started a new series or you know, how, like people are like binge watching stuff. Yeah. I'm. I haven't watched Ozark. I haven't watched anything because I actually uh, haven't really the sitting still to watch TV. I've been. I just end up falling asleep a lot. Mm. But um, I've been listening to music. I've just been catching up on tons and tons and tons of music and what's what's been on <laughs> and, replay yeah, so it's new stuff not, as opposed to like old stuff that you find comfort in uh both i have the most what what actually has been happening is i have an abundance of playlists because all of my friends made playlists and everyone's everyone's making like 20 hour playlists I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool, i guess i'm listening to this like i put on my friend's playlist last night before i went to bed and like cut it off right before you guys called you know like yeah yeah so what friend is that? A lot of, huh? What friend is that? Like, I mean, like, you know, shout my out. My friend sh- Zach. My friend Zach Sakoff made a uh, playlist called Yearning. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like pinkish and bluish tone songs, mood songs, which is like, I'm a big color. Mm-hmm. If you ask me what mood I'm in and music I want to listen to, color is a really great way to describe that. Mm. But um, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of emo stuff. It feels really good for the time. Feels mm-hmm. like there's nothing too sad to listen to right now. Um, I've been listening to a lot of. Uh, I've been listening to the party next door. I wouldn't say the album, but the songs that I like on the album have pretty much been the only things I've been listening to. The one with Rihanna. To- <laughs> I think that we, we we actually I love that song, but it's not on my repeat. Wow. I, I like it a lot, but no, the news is my favorite song. Okay, on that, um, on that album, um, it's just too upbeat unfortunately the mm. rihanna song mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately it's just not sad enough um and uh uzi mm. when i need a pep but like yo do you guys you guys we have so many dj friends we do that no like honest i spent the first two weeks just listening to ig live dj sets yeah <laughs> like, it's 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 pretty incredible um to to see people uh get better and better with the technology too, you know, cause at first it started off where they're just like playing with speakers, like in the background, it's like, you know, some will be good, some won't be good, but now people are learning how to like feed the audio into the phone. So you have a direct connect and they have the microphone. So it feels like you're really there with them. And I think the environment's just been really dope. Overall. Also that and Instagram it's a, it's a, like was able to, uh, you know, make it available on desktop too. Very cool. Because oh, now you can use your happening? phone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because that was my biggest problem with it is that I delete Instagram on my phone because that's the other habit I picked up. Like I'm trying to very, very, very much. I think I'm finally ready to really stop using social media for a while. Wow. It's just too hectic. It's too hectic. It brings me down so fast. Yeah. And the jokes don't bring me back up. Yeah. Because usually Twitter can bring you down, but the jokes are what you're there for. And you're like one good joke and like I'm back in this. And I've just found, especially in the past week. That like, like I haven't even looked at Twitter today yet. I may have tweeted, but I don't remember. Sometimes I I tweet and don't read Twitter a lot, and well, I don't know if people realize that. <laughs> Nikki, do you then, if if you do take social media out of your life after having been on it for whatever the better part of a decade, are you going to feel more alone? And is that is that good or bad? No, because we are talking to each other so much. You guys, are you kidding? Right, like, right. We're like FaceTiming. Right. Honestly, I don't even feel overwhelmed because I do feel like everyone also like goes to bed or like gets nighttime sad at the same time and we yeah. all stop talking. Yeah. And we all and for once I feel like we're all overwhelmed in the same way. So we all have been giving each other like 
privacy and space. Like people disappear. Like I feel like there's a siesta hour where no one talks to each other. There's yeah. like a there's a dinner hour where I eat dinner at six o'clock now. You know, because I mean I'm just nursing like, home hours. Yeah, like a grandma. Yeah, yeah. Like we're all we're all in contact. So I don't actually feel very alone. Um, I actually had to stop using social media because all of the reasons that I said that I was using it for, like. I don't need news through social media because everyone keeps sending news on the group chats. Mm. <laughs> like every time something happens, people are like, Oh my God, new article. Oh my God, new thing, you know, or you have one group chat where someone's doing that. So it's like, um, if you're disconnected from anything, it's more of the chatter and the anxiety. And you know, nobody's talking about anything but anxiety, fear and grief right now. Yeah. yeah. I also like <laughs> that. No optimism. You said something like maybe two weeks ago or something that resonated with me where you were just like, why do people need more friends? I just don't get it. I don't need any more friends. <laughs> and like, I, it, I think the thing that's been really weird is, you know, I'm in my mid thirties, entering my mid thirties. Yeah. Just about hit there. And like, this is like the time where everyone who's old. Yeah. Thanks. Everyone who's older than me has said like, this is when you really like, Start to feel good about who you are, and yeah. at, at least like feel pretty like lucky about who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also just the fact that you've lived for three decades. You're just like, oh, made it. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, my problem with making friends right now is I think I'm glad it resonated with you because I'm always worried that people hear it like I'm being a bitch. You know, like ew, friends. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yo, I'm in my 30s. The way that my life is has already required the building of a very strong and very solid support system. Mm -hmm. So like as it stands right now, I have someone or something for everything that I need. And if I don't, I'm aware of it. And like, I have a plan as to how to get it or I've stopped thinking that I need it. Another friend is like, Oh man, like this shit is running on oil. Like where are you going (laughs) to go? Like, like where are you gonna go you know what i mean like either you've come into my life and it's seamless and it's almost as if i'm like oh wow you're my friend and like it really works and like i never had to work on it but it's like if i'm actively aware of you trying to become my friend that means that i'm like it's like getting a new plant and i'm like okay so where do i put you yeah 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 you need it and what do you need you need indirect sunlight oh so does everybody else okay uh (laughs) and so that's my thing like and now we're trapped in the house and it's like bruh I'm talking to people I have never uh, talked to on FaceTime because usually I get to see them in person and now I have to accommodate because I want to see them, but this is the only way I can talk to them. Yeah. And so now that everything, friendship feels almost scheduled, not on purpose, but just because of the way that we're living, like I can't, then I'm really aware of like a new person on the schedule. Well, it's like you. Yeah. No, l- okay. listen, uh, Nikki, we love being your plants. We love the sunshine that you bring to our lives. We love you. Um, please take care of yourself out there. Stay indoors and stay safe. And we'll be checking in on you. And um, we'll talk to you later, all right? I love you guys. Bye. Bye. Love you too. Bye. Jeff, let's get on the phone with our friend and the executive director and founder of Forte Prep Academy out in Queens, our friend, Graham Brown. Yo, Graham! How are you? What up, what up, what up? What's happening? Burr, 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 burr. Oh, man. I just got out of a DJ session. I just dusted off the turntables. Oh, here we go. Yes. <laughs> um, um, what did you start your set off with and what did you finish with? Uh, started off with, well, to be clear, 
this MacBook Pro has not been open since 2012. Listen, so, you don't no preambles. Let's just what is it? <laughs> uh, all right, so it started off with Top Back by Ti. Love it. You know, you had to I had to do it for him, and then I just did like 12 fabulous songs in a row. Yeah, I don't, I, I have no problems with any. Yeah, of this is great. Don't blame your MacBook. I love this. Hey. Hey, no. It's, I mean, I'm giving I'm giving the people what what they want, and the people are just it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Graham, uh, we know, and uh, now our audience will know, you run a tuition free middle school out there in Queens for um, a diverse. Uh, base of kids who we have had the pleasure of speaking to uh, a number of years on your career day. And, you know, we've spoken at high schools and colleges before. And let me tell you, I, I mean, I have told you before, but let me tell you the audience. These fifth graders that we've spoken to are by far more uh, interesting and interested than college students and high school students in not only like uh, creatives, but how those creatives got to where they are. And it is always a pleasure to go to your school. How is it for you now uh, to run a school that does not have uh, students in a classroom? Oh, man. Well, it, it has been a roller coaster over the last... I guess, is it four weeks now? Five? I don't even know. The time yeah. is blended together. Um, you know, it started started off just trying to make sure that uh, 100% of our kids could connect to the internet and had computers to do work. Um, and then we trained our staff on how to use Google Classroom and create virtual learning experiences that would come close to what we can do in, in person. But... Um, at the end of the day, I just miss them. I miss like the the job is so different when you don't see people. It is such a human facing career, vocation, passion, and it's something that for me, um, uh, there's a there's a big there's a big hole in my in my heart and in my life just not being able to to see the students uh, on a daily basis and to to see the staff and. Uh, no, no number of Zooms and Google Meets and um, Skype videos uh, will replace that. Um, as a lot of people out there know, Queens, um, out of all the boroughs, has been particularly uh, hard hit by uh, COVID nineteen. Yeah. Um, how is is that reality for you? Um, that's probably the realest part. And and I knew when we started making plans to close down that the thing I was worried, most worried about was just sort of the economic reality of our neighborhood and the fact that, you know, we, um, on a, a very typical and common to have more than one family in a one bedroom apartment um, and um, multi-generational families taking care of um, older relatives uh, and the like and there's uh, there's nowhere to go it's uh, incredibly overcrowded as a neighborhood uh, so when we were thinking about having to close school we we took it really seriously because we knew that um, the the crowded the, just the density of our of our community would be um, would put a lot of people at risk and um Thankfully, the the vast majority of our families have uh, have been healthy and safe, but that's not the case for all of them. And yeah. you know, we're we're in the shadow of a hospital over here. Uh, I'm just like seven minutes away. So, um, and if you've been following the news in New York, you obviously know that that's that hospital has been one of the hardest hit um, in the entire city. So yeah. it um, it feel it feels really weird over here. It's really quiet. Lots of helicopters. Lots of sirens. 
Um, and then seven o'clock, like the loudest noise, uh, cheering and, and celebration for, for those healthcare workers who are doing their thing. But yeah. it's, 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 it's wild. Yeah. I think that, uh, Eric and I have both found like, especially, especially moving the seven o'clock, um, cheer. Um, cause that's like a, a, a very human moment at a time when there are very few, if not any, you know, um, human moments. I was wondering, you know, your job uh, is is to be not only like a cheerleader, but also just like um, the administrative presence around school. What is your job now? Like, are you are you popping into different Zooms? Are you like what what is your day to day looking like? Yeah, well, it um, it really it really varies. Um, still, you know, obviously, I'm not doing classroom observations or anything like that. But I do I do go into Google Hangouts and see you know pop into tutoring um, that teachers are doing during their office hours um i'm uh in the in the early weeks i was sort of running a, com- a computer distribution center out of my apartment so families would come here and um i would drop off uh, drop off machines for them so that they could uh, their kids could get connected um i'm applying for grants um and loans just basically trying to make sure that the technology that we've given out, we can uh, replace and repair as needed, um, and and so that we don't have any sort of financial interruptions um, in the event that uh, things get worse before they get better over the summer. Um, and uh, I also spend time just trying to keep people's spirits up. So I'm thinking about staff culture. Um, you know, sending uh, gift cards for Grubhub or. Um, thinking of our like wellness initiatives that we can do to to make sure that our staff uh, stay happy and healthy. But it's uh, um, so the the work continues. I, my day is just as busy as it was um, when I was when I was in the school building. But it's just filled with a lot of different stuff. Um, you know, we were talking to uh, I believe Nikki before, um, who was saying that um, you know once once like school starts to get a handle on. Um, once school starts to get a handle on like working from home and like studying from home, that it would then be like, that's like the preferred option or like that, that could be then, um, that everybody would be then, uh, 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 shuttled back into actual buildings. So I want to know, like, what is your perspective on the future? Like, what is it, what does it hold? Well, um, I, I don't know if the, quality of the product itself is necessarily better um in fact it does feel like we're missing a lot especially for our our lower our our lower readers our more struggling students who need that one-on-one support um in lots of different ways and the and this is sort of like the social development and the emotional development that you get from being um in a physical physical building with other people and having to interact with them so I hope that we are able to to get back to get back to normal. Um, but what I what I think it has done for our school, at least, is it's allowed me to figure out um, some some distance learning solutions to keep students in the game. So, like if the if for example there are students who are are homesick um, but aren't. Um, you know, just sort of a, a general sickness that is keeping them from school. Um, there, are, we have now developed some really easy ways to keep them connected mm. uh, and not actually miss out on learning, um, which is probably much to the chagrin of our <laughs> fifth and sixth and seventh graders that are uh, uh, no days off, day off. Um, but, um, 
but what I what I do what I what I do like about that is that it has it has allowed our team to develop a set of skills for distance learning um, that we didn't have, and now we're ready for other versions of this uh, in the event that it happens again, or we have to be uh, we have to close our school for some extended period of time in the future. Graham, we met you, man, I don't even know how many years ago, uh, through our, our mutual friend, the great Rembert Brown. And, yes, um, no relation. No I know. Relation. And when we met you, uh, Forte Prep was just an idea. You were, you were building it up, but it had not actually started yet and wasn't a physical right. presence like it is today. Um, where in your life did the idea of leadership come to you? And when did you figure out that you were somebody who could build something and lead other humans to do good work? Oh, man. Uh, well, I I probably goes back to middle school. Um, I grew up outside of Newark, and my my family is, uh, is you know, Caribbean, Caribbean people who wanted to create a better life and opportunities for me, but didn't necessarily have the financial means to do so. And what I, uh, what was instilled in me very early on was that school and education was that path uh, for for me and for for other people to be successful. Um, and my mom found a scholarship opportunity that sent me to boarding school, which was wild and probably a story for another time. <laughs> um, but it was it was a really uh, eye opening experience that all the kids I grew up with were just as smart and capable as these kids I am now interacting with and in school with who are, um, you know, uh, billionaires, kids and, uh, politicians, children and international students, um, who are all amazing in, in their own right. But it was just this, um, the only difference between what our trajectories were now going to be was the the environment that we were currently in and the people around us telling us that we could be whatever we wanted to be. Um, and uh, there was a dean of students when I was at school who left the left this high school, this boarding school, to come back to New York to found a um, a tuition free school for low income students in Manhattan, in the Bronx, called George Jackson Academy, and. Um, I remember sitting and hearing the announcement that he was leaving and I was like, man, like, I want to do that. Like that, that would be, that's like, that's it. Like bringing the mentality and the mindset of a high achieving environment that's super supportive and warm and um, encouraging of all types of students, but putting it in the communities where they need them. Um, and that was what kind of set the wheels very slowly in motion, probably like 2002, 2003. But then, uh, you know, my world and my professional career took a pretty circuitous route. Um, but I, but I ended up, um, in a position to, um, to start, to start this school by going to grad school and, and, um, sort of developing the, the idea for Forte Prep, which is, you know, college preparatory middle school that pro provides uh, opportunities and education for students uh, from fifth grade to eighth grade. And it is in a community that needs it. It was in a, in a, in a community not unlike where I grew up um, and with students just as deserving. Um, and now we're able to sort of provide that. And I think my passion and like in relentlessness for creating something 
has led people to believe in me and to want to work with me and follow follow along uh, with what I'm doing. Um, but man, like the imposter syndrome was super real for very long. Like now that our now that school is open, I can I feel pretty confident to say that I am the executive director of it. But um, yeah, I am. But <laughs> <laughs> but I you know. There were there were so many times when I just was like, man, like, am I really the guy to do this? Like, there's got to be somebody else. And I would look to my left and right, and nobody was doing it. So I said, okay, well, I guess it's supposed to be me. And um, um, it's it's been fun to see the team grow and build, and for them to develop their own leadership voice and and be able to take on parts of the school and the program that like I could have never even dreamed of. Um, and now they're it's working even better than. Um, I I had thought. Um, well, who who was the one that like you know when you were questioning yourself and and having imposter syndrome like who was there to put the battery in your back? Mm. Uh, my my mom um, is the goat. She's just an incredible woman. She's so inspiring, and she she always she always knew she always wanted me to to sort of push the push the envelope and and take risks she was always encouraging me to to try things she never kind of prescribed a path uh for me post high school post college um and thinking about how much she hustled as a human um for for her whole life to provide for our family um always was that sort of reminder that like there's nothing about this um that is insurmountable um and uh you know she she had breast cancer um a couple years ago and um empowered through it and is on the other side of it as a breast cancer survivor um which is which is just amazing and when i was going through my sort of toughest times building the school over the last three four years um just seeing her courage and her bravery was was enough uh, for me to say like if if she can do this I can do it too. Yeah, I think I think too. Um, back to leadership for a second. Um, I think when when you see where there's a lack of leadership in the federal government right now uh, yeah. at, at a time when we when we really need it, and uh, when you get down to the state level and you see it, you see what real leadership is, or on a mayoral level around the country, you see what leadership mm-hmm. is. I think there's such an appreciation for those who care, for those who are empathetic, for those who can really lead. And to hear you say that, you know, of course, you want to look after the kids, but also when you hear, you know, Graham talking about, well, yeah, I got to I got to look after my staff as well and make sure that they're good and they're of, you know, uh, a a level, you know, an even keel through this Mm -hmm. thing. That's super important. And I think very 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 much appreciated so shout out to you for that um thanks i can't imagine that it's um an easy time financially now for anybody but especially for a uh a school that uh, depends on donations and um you know outside funding uh like you guys are you have facilities you have staff obviously if people are interested in in donating and giving money to forte prep to continue on past the months and uh, who, who, who knows how long uh, we have to deal with this ahead, right. how, how can they go about that? 
well, the the easiest way is just straight through our website, forteprep.org. Uh, there's a donate button on the, the top uh, that will lead you to all the different initiatives uh, that we, we have going on. Um, or if you're a donor box person, it's donorbox.org slash forteprep. Um, but yeah, I think that the 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 ways that we need to kind of reform and rethink our program, you know, providing distance, distance learning, tutoring for kids who are trying to apply to specialized high schools is not something that we had budgeted for and thought about. But, you know, our seventh graders are going to be eighth graders and they're going to apply to Bronx Science and Stuyvesant and all that. So like we need to continue to prepare them in different ways. And that requires money that we hadn't um, allocated. So those are the types of initiatives that we're we're thinking about um, in the future. And we've, we're moving to a new building uh, this summer that will finally be like our our, our long term home. And it's it needs furniture. It needs yeah. <laughs> yeah. It needs, it needs, a, it needs a bunch of stuff. And I and I think with the um, what's what seems to be coming down the pipe is a budget cut. Um, or at least a flattening of the um, per pupil revenue that we would receive from the state. Um, and uh, just because of uh, how crazy this time has been, they're, they're searching everywhere for where they're going to cut funds. Um, and I, I think education is going to take a hit. Um, and to stabilize our budget, um, you know, any, any little bit helps. Um, and, um, it, it is going directly to the kids and, um, I'm a, I'm a miser and a a stickler about our budget. So, um, I, I really try to maximize every dollar, um, that, that we receive to, to service our students. And, uh, before we let you go, Graham, how are you doing? You know, I'm good. It's, it's weird how quickly things just kind of started to normalize, you yeah. know? Like, I don't know how long we're going to be like this, but I certainly, after doing all the work to kind of shift the way that we do our jobs and run our school, um, now it's in a position where it's in somewhat of a steady state, which feels good. Um so I feel good as a result, but you know those first couple of weeks were pretty were pretty dark, and I was really just like questioning. I was like, man, if this is the job that I'm supposed to have, like, dang, like this this is not it. Like I can't imagine uh, sustaining sustaining this work for an extended period of time. Um, so I started to get down on myself, but um, but once we turned the corner, where people are able to support students every all kids and families are are hearing from us and we're hearing back from them that they appreciate the work that we're doing and they you know they're they're hearing from their neighbors or the cousins or the kids in other schools and maybe they don't have as much support as we're able to provide and uh, that that keeps me going and uh, keeps me motivated so um i i'm in a i'm in a good spot and uh trying to rekindle some old um uh, hobbies as well hence the djing this yeah afternoon. yeah well, yeah. Graham, uh, moment by moment, day by day, uh, here's to uh, a better tomorrow than it was today, you know? And uh, yeah. 
And as we move forward, Graham, uh, obviously we send our love to you. We appreciate you. Uh, stay safe over there and stay inside and uh, nice. and stay doing good work. It really does matter, especially now. Thank you for everything, Graham. And, and stay uh, playing a fabulous song. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Here's and to looking fabulous and feeling you. fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> and I will definitely hit y'all up. Um, we are thinking about doing our, our next career day, which will most likely be some sort of a virtual experience. Um, and if there's anyone here, anyone listening who wants to, to get involved, they can probably just meet, reach out to you guys directly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Graham, thanks for everything. We'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. Sounds good. Take care, you guys. Shout out to Graham Brown. Shout out to Judd Nicky. And shout out to the great Black Thought. Jeff, are we back tomorrow? We are back every day forever. As always, guys. Not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Right.